and hello and welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Again, I'm Jake Novak, and you can find all the stories and analysis and other longer-form references to what I'm talking about in this program and in all the editions of Novak Now on my Twitter feed, at JakeJakeNY. It's not enough just to listen to what I have to say. Everyone should be an educated and uh, engaged consumer of news and information and analysis and things they hear. And one of the good things, there's a lot of bad things about it, but one of the good things about the internet is and social media is it is a place where people can put links and references, and uh, it's a lot easier than the old footnotes. Uh, for those of us who are older than dirt, remember ha- when you had to put footnotes in articles and in term papers and things like that. So again, my Twitter feed is at JakeJakeNY. That's where you'll be able to find the longer form versions or the proof of a lot of the things I'm talking about. Um, I want to start off today with a story, a true story. Just a couple of days ago, uh, somebody called me and asked me a, a story based on a scenario. And, and he basically said, what would the Talmudic answer or the Talmudic approach to, to the following scenario be? And the scenario being uh, something that's really playing out right now. It was not a hypothetical situation. It was not a make-believe story. It was a real thing that's going on right now involving the coronavirus vaccines and how they are being administered. And the argument, the, the question he asked me is, based on the, the, the questions people have and the debate that's going on, why is the coronavirus vaccine being distributed in the order that it is in a number of places, especially in the United States? Uh, should it be going to prisoners in prisons before it goes to the general public? Should it be going to people who are healthy before it goes to people who have, as we say, comorbidities, other health issues that make them more susceptible to a serious illness or death from coronavirus, from COVID-19? Should it always be, uh, should political groups or groups defined by politicians, uh, for example, quote-unquote minorities, should they get the COVID-19 vaccine first based solely on their status as a minority, not on any health criteria, and so on and so on and so on. And of course, there are plenty of ethical, both from Jewish sources, from Jewish religious sources, from medical ethical sources. There are plenty of sources that can deal with this question from that premise. But one of the things that I think really handcuffs us as a society, really handcuffs us as human beings, is we accept certain givens before we get involved in debates that we know are going to be very uncomfortable. We accept givens that we shouldn't be accepting. So this was a really trick question. It wasn't meant to be a trick question by the person who asked me. He wasn't really thinking of what my immediate response was going to be. But it was a trick question because it was based on the wrong assumptions and based on putting our efforts, putting our energies, putting our brain power behind something that we shouldn't have been really be putting all of our efforts behind until we take care of a bigger priority. So why did I consider it a trick question? Why did I think that we should be putting our efforts behind something else? Because there's something else in this scenario is the obvious answer is instead of us working so hard and twisting ourselves in a knot to discuss, to discuss 
who should get the vaccine first and whether there's an ethical distribution of it and which groups should have uh, should be really considered a minority and who is who and all that stuff. We should be putting our efforts behind something else. Can you guess what that is? Well, of course, we should be putting all of our efforts behind making so much of a supply of the vaccine that the question is moot. And folks, that potential, that possibility is there. We are allowing our politicians, we are allowing the pundits on television, we are allowing so many people to discuss who gets the vaccine first, all of that energy, all of that brain power, all of that time should be spent on getting more of the supply of the vaccines, whether it's the ones that have been approved so far. Worldwide so far, you have here in the United States, the Pfizer-BioNTech partnered vaccine. That's one. You've got the Moderna vaccine. That's two. So you got two approved here in the United States. There are two, those two are also approved in Great Britain and Europe. And also in Great Britain, they have approved the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine as well. The efforts that everyone should be making right now is to make those, the number and the supply of that vaccine so ubiquitous, so multiplied all over the world, that it's just a question of getting in line and, and spending no more than an hour hopefully less, of any given day getting that vaccine. Now, of course, this should also be a hu- there should also be a huge effort in getting what looks like a very about-to-be-approved Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is really, really desirable because that's only one dose. Those other vaccines I mentioned to you all need two injections. You need two injections, I guess, a couple of weeks apart. Don't quote me on the exact date, but they have to the exact amount of days. But you, for both the Moderna and the COVID BioNTech vaccine, and I and I believe also the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine, you have to wait a couple weeks or something like that, ten days or something like that, in between two shots, which of course makes the process take a little longer. The Johnson and Johnson vaccine, when approved, is only one one shot, and that of course will, in essence, mathematically, should double the amount of people who can get it in a day and be fully vaccinated. Folks, this may sound like a silly way to approach this question of who gets the vaccine first and how should we line people up and all that kind of stuff. And that's and I understand that those are still questions that have to be dealt with while we have either limited supplies of the vaccine or so many people who are waiting for it. I understand that. But with the exception of taking some of the easier answers, like let's do it the way Israel is doing, which is doing it in a very, very orderly fashion and a effective fashion. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more in just a moment. But the fact that we just continue to decide we're going to talk about the most controversial, the most anger producing, and in some ways the most counterproductive aspect of this whole thing, as opposed to really putting our efforts behind both not only our physical efforts, obviously we want to get the factories going, get the, get the funding, all of that, but also just our emotional efforts. We're, we're putting our emotional efforts into an effort to argue about something that probably won't be solved anytime soon, as opposed to something that could be solved, something that could really get a boost. If everyone in the country was saying, make more of this vaccine, 
If everyone going on the news and every politician was saying, let's get more, let's make more, let's make more, keep making it, keep making it, we will get as much public funds as we can. We will now encourage the Bill Gates and Warren Buffetts and all the other people in the world to stop talking about what they're going to do and give and, and donate big money to the production of these vaccines. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, get them to pony up a billion dollars each. They can afford it. <laughs> and I mean, really, when we start talking about, oh, we want them to give charity and they end up giving to some foundation. I mean, honestly, anyone who understands multi, you know, multi-billionaires throughout history understands the, the, the paradox that they all deal with, which is they can't physically give away all their money. There's not enough seconds in the day, even if they live to be 150, to give away all their money, believe it or not, to, other than just like a foundation. They can give it to a foundation and say, hey, I gave away all my money. But that doesn't mean it actually got into the hands of the poor or was actually spent on something and we know it got to someone who needed it. This is one of these unique times in history and the coronavirus and COVID-19 is no blessing. Don't get me wrong, but it is a very unique opportunity for the richest men and women in the world to do something that it has an immediate impact and immediately, literally in this case, gets inside the bodies of the people who need it, whether they're poor, rich, doesn't matter, needy people. Anyone who needs the vaccine is, by definition, needy in that particular category of needing protection from this potentially deadly virus for a lot of people. And here's their opportunity. I've heard no one. And for those of you who have, feel free to put it on my Twitter feed and, and correct me that, if I, you know, that I'm wrong. But I've heard of no effort of anyone saying, asking some of the biggest billionaires in the world, will you donate money to boost the production? Pfizer and BioNTech and all those places could go to, uh, could make an announcement and say, this is how much money we need to, to get this much more vaccine produced every day. And then Johnson & Johnson. And yes, it would be giving money to a private company, but it could be made into a public effort. And that's where the funding is needed. I don't think it would, it, you know, a lot of people say, well, it, only, only a government could afford this cost. It's not necessarily true. What would an extra billion dollars donated to, let's just say, Pfizer and BioNTech, what would, be, what would an extra billion dollars given tomorrow to Pfizer and BioNTech do to the number of, of, of COVID-19 vaccines they can produce over the course of a month? Listen, maybe it would only make a small dent. I think it would make a big dent. Now multiply that by a donation that a Warren Buffett or a Bill Gates or an Elon Musk could give. This is what I'm talking about, folks. This is where we should be putting our efforts. I'm not talking about shaming these ultra-rich people into helping out. I don't think most of them would actually resist this effort. I'm not talking about shaming people and starting yet another divisive argument about this, you know, the super-rich and everybody else. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a unique opportunity where if it's just cash on the barrel head that's needed to increase the number of vaccines, which is what we need in the world, before we start arguing about who gets it first and why and what political group has uh, politicized this whole effort, which is what's going on with everything. Politics is getting injected into everything, no pun intended. Why can't we just put our efforts behind doing what's needed, asking what's needed and seeing if we can solve that problem? And I think a lot of people are doing that. They're just not doing it on the news. That's just not what's getting onto social media. We want to have a fight. Now, this is a deliberate continuation of my discussion on the last edition of Novak Now, on the January 11th edition of Novak Now, which, by the way, 
Every edition of Novak Now is available on the archives. The Nachum Siegel Network archives, if you go to the Nachum Siegel Network homepage and, and click on archives, you can find my show among all the other shows that have their archives there. Enjoy all of that stuff, by the way. It's not just my program. But on last week's edition, I talked a lot about really asking you. I, I, I tried to charge all of you who are listening, and I hope you tell your friends and family, that we need to model and we need to conduct ourselves with fierce optimism, especially on social media, but online in general, because the business models of social media, the business models of the newspapers, the business models of cable news, and the business models of news organizations from the beginning of time have really been based on negativity, fear, gloom, doom, sensationalism. And I think that Whereas a lot of people, and maybe even people who are very, very well educated psychologically, they've got all the degrees, a lot of them would say, well, that's human nature. Humans are going to be much more attracted to the gloom and doom, the fear and the anger. And that's what's going to keep them buying newspapers in the old days and now clicking on links today. My argument is I'm not so sure that's what it is. I don't think it's necessarily the gloom and the doom and the anger. I think it may be the adrenaline and the excitement that come from those things. And if worded properly, and if couched properly, and if emphasized properly, we can get the same adrenaline rush, we can get the same excitement from things that are not about gloom and doom and destruction and all those things. For those of us who got an adrenaline rush about learning about, for example, times when Israel was threatened, its existence was threatened in the Yom Kippur War, in the days before the Six-Day War, things like that, all the wars and the terrorist attacks. Can you get the same adrenaline rush when you hear about Israel administering the vaccine, the COVID-19, the the coronavirus vaccine, better than any country in the world and doing it in just this quick, orderly, impressive fashion? Well, maybe, maybe not, but I think it's worth a try. I get a rush out of it. I get an adrenaline rush about all these stories about Israel and other Arab countries making peace, making economic agreements, reopening ancient partnerships that were at least economically fruitful for both Jews and, and Muslims long time ago. I guess not ancient isn't the right word. We're talking about the Muslims, but but certainly centuries old relationships that deteriorated over time but it had their ups and downs and this is a possible this is a chance for a big up a big ups as some people might say all those things produce an adrenaline rush for me it produces an adrenaline rush for me even if it's potentially connected in a in a tangential way to potential with some something that could be negative when we talk about the successful israeli missile tests that were conducted late last year and early this year that put Israel's missile defense from both, from the Iron Dome, from David's, from David's sling, and from some other anti-missile defensive weapon systems Israel's ha- Israel has. These were just tests. Thank goodness nobody, you know, no one was killed. This was not from any particular threat, specific threat that happened. But that gives me an adrenaline rush. I don't know about you. I want to know about these things. Speaking of which, we had something the other day that should have been if we were, I think, if, if the news business and if human beings online 
we're in a mentally healthy state because I think that there's a mental illness, for lack of a better term. And I don't mean that in a clinical term. Don't worry, I'm not calling everyone crazy. But I think there's a certain malaise, human failing, a human mental failing that goes into the attitudes and the anger and all that stuff that's promoted online, especially on social media. But if that stuff weren't so prevalent, there was a story just a few days ago that I think should have been on the front pages of every newspaper, should have been in the opening, at least the first 10 minutes of every major cable news station, and certainly should have been something that was discussed a lot on social media. But there is an Israeli company that does all kinds of implants to help blind people, including corneal implants, the cornea. It's called Corneet. And a few days ago, we learned that a corneal implant put into a blind man in Israel gave him his sight back. I mean, that to me is an extraordinary, extraordinary story. The people involved with with the company were certainly not being reclusive. They weren't making it hard for a news organization to get an interview with some of the inventors. And I think even the man who regained his sight, which certainly would be a heck of a get, as we say, G-E-T, a a get, you know, an acquisition for any news organization that would want to interview him. And we need to ask ourselves again, I mean, we may say to ourselves, well, it's just a given. Of course, they're not going to want to do a story like that. It's not... It's not scary. All that stuff is not something that we should take as a given and for granted. Why don't the news organizations have the skills to make that story as exciting as, for example, the latest innuendo about President Trump and the latest innuendo about protesters, things that, you know, no one actually can really verify. And it's a bunch of, I mean, a a tremendous amount of what we see on the news today is people telling us what other people are thinking. (laughs) That's not news. That's the psychic psychologist. That's conjecture. That's not news. And it certainly is negative anyway, even if they were accurate. Folks, it's not anything to be ashamed of that you aren't as familiar with these particular stories I mean, I've just mentioned two just now. The incredible success of Israeli missile tests just a few weeks ago that have ratcheted up Israel's defense capabilities against, and I'll give you one more detail, against, for example, cruise missiles. You must understand that Iran and its, and its terrorists, one of its terrorist armies, Hezbollah, have spent many of the last several years investing time, money, and effort into creating a cruise missile arsenal to launch against Israel, which is different from the rockets, certainly, that are fired against Israel from Gaza, different from the kind of artillery that Israel has faced from Lebanon and Syria over the years. It was supposedly a big game changer, and now Israel has a big step uh, in in the way of major security against cruise missiles as well. They have taken a major, major effort of Iran and Hezbollah off the table to some degree, to a significant degree, I should say. You probably haven't heard that story, but you did hear a story about who was at the protests at Capitol Hill on January 6th and how they were plot? I mean, you heard all that. You heard all that innuendo and all that stuff that may or may not be true and ultimately isn't as consequential, sorry about that, as some of the other things I'm mentioning. We have an Israeli company in the other story I mentioned that has come across a literal cure for blindness for probably millions of blind people. I know not every blind person can be 
restored to, to, to being a, a seeing person with a corneal transplant. But there are probably quite a few who can. Why isn't that a bigger story? Why didn't you hear that story until you just heard it from me? Again, it isn't because of any failing in, on your part, but you do, I believe, have the ability, we all have the ability to rechannel our energies. And it can be adrenaline-based. This is not Pollyanna, happy, happy talk all the time. It can be done with enthusiasm. It can be done with a little bit of anger also. You can put these stories out there and, and make it clear that here's what I want to see on my social media feed. This is what I want to see on Facebook. This is what I want to hear in an email chain or see, read in an email chain from a friend. Not all this negativity, not the stuff that we can't do anything about, not arguing things based on givens that we shouldn't be, shouldn't be accepting, like with the vaccine. Should we really be arguing about who gets it first and all these kinds of things first when we're still waiting for more support and more money and more effort behind making more of the vaccine that would make those arguments moot in the first place? The answer is no. That's where we should be putting our efforts. Should we really be arguing about political divisions and who's terrible in government and all and who's arguing this, that, and the other thing when there are many, many people who could be, be who could really, really benefit in a way that most of us can't even fathom from a technology like a corneal implant that just made a blind man able to see again? Is that really where we want to be putting our efforts? This is where we need to put our efforts. And for all the algorithms and business plans of the newspapers, the cable news networks, and especially the social media companies, to heck with them. To heck with them. We will use your platform for this fierce positivity, for this fierce... It's not even just positivity. It is priority. What is our priority? Is our priority to fight with one another? Is our priority to guess what someone else is thinking? Or should we be using all these technological tools to further what should be our day-to-day goals every day? The health and, decent and, and goodness of our families. The improvement of lives for as many people as possible. The advancement of wealth for as many people as possible. That's, by the way, not anything to be ashamed of. The advancement uh, until <laughs> recently with COVID-19 and a few other things that have gotten in our way, the advancement of capitalist-like wealth around the world has been the biggest catalyst in reducing poverty in the shortest amount of time in human history. We want more of that and less of demonizing those who have succeeded and things like that. So it doesn't only have to be life-saving businesses that are and organizations and biotechs and things like that that are saving lives that we need to be fiercely promoting. But anyone who's making a product that people really need and want and enjoy and thus putting people to work and making people wealthy and also making the customer happy, we should be promoting that as well. And a lot of us do. It's not like we don't talk about these things. But it is not the primary subject matter that we see, especially on social media, but also in the news. You turn on the news at any given time and the negativity, and the fear, and the, and, and the conjecture, and, things, and, and, and the amount of time that's spent on things that either won't ever happen or never happen is astounding. And we have the opportunity, 
we have a tremendous opportunity to change that. There was a, another thing I want to talk about that I think is a little bit more detailed in all the things that I've talked about. It, it details the landscape that I've described, this negative landscape, this, this overall momentum that needs to be overcome in a new uh, column, a new personal story in many ways by Alana Newhouse and Tablet Magazine. Again, you will find this on my Twitter feed. And the title of this piece, it's long. It's called Everything is Broken. It's long, but it's not tremendously long. And judging by the title, you can tell a lot of it is, is negative and sad. But where I give Alana Newhouse a tremendous amount of credit is on two things. First of all, a lot of the negative stuff she's describing is real. It's not conjecture. It's not, oh, here's what people are thinking. So that's the first thing. But more importantly, I give her tremendous credit for the ending of this piece where she really talks about how we can do something to change this And it's very similar to what I've been talking about. It's not exactly the same, but it's very similar to what I've been talking about both on this edition and the last edition of Novak Now. We have an opportunity. We have the tools to be more positive, to be more effective, to be more honest, to be more community building in the way that we conduct ourselves, especially when it comes to online, especially when it comes to stuff that we post We can do this. It is doable. But we have to give ourselves the tools and the confidence to ask ourselves a couple of questions. The tools are there. We can look for the things that make us excited, that people should know about, that really do impact people's lives for real in a more positive or at least hopeful way. And even if it's negative, we can talk about these things as long as they're real. I don't don't think we should be wasting our time with predictions and, and, and conjecture. But if there's something that is bad that's going on and we have a solution for it, I think then that's when it's okay to post the bad thing that's going on, say this is happening, and then we can talk about doing it better. Again, I mean, one example can be, again, talking about how Israel has been administering the, the coronavirus vaccine better than any country. They're doing it in a very orderly, major national effort way. So... That can be discussed, that can be presented as we first tell people about the negative stuff that's going on in our country and so many other countries where not enough of the vaccine's getting out. Then we can pivot to the more positive aspect of all of that. That can be done. That can be done. But Alana Newhouse in her Everything is Broken piece talks about finding a way to be more positive. Let's create some new things. Now, she's a, a lot more down on using social media for all this kind of stuff than I am. I mean, she wants to go back to physical newspapers and things like that. And I, I think that that would be a good step forward, too. But I don't think that these tools are going away. I'm a little bit worried about future censorship of them. And a lot of people have been censored already or knocked off these these platforms. But as long as they're there, you're not going to get kicked off these platforms if you do the kinds of things that I'm talking about. If you fiercely promote real things that have happened that are really, really important and just continue to do that. That's, that's for real. Now, I want to end this edition of Novak Now with a little bit of a warning. As I record this, as I broadcast this, we are just a couple of days away from the inauguration of President-elect Biden and the inauguration ceremonies in Washington. And 
there's a big fear on a lot of from a lot of sources that there's going to be some violence there. They have uh, they first erected eight foot walls, eight foot barriers around the Capitol. They have been now been replaced by twelve foot barriers. Folks, if you are looking to go to this inauguration to protest it, and you are not part of any kind of violent organization, <laughs> I would really urge you not to go. I think that there's some very violent things that could be instigated, even by people who support this new president. I just don't think this is the right place to go for safety's sake. And I think anyone who goes even for with peaceful intent may be smeared and worse, may be injured. So folks, don't go. If you're thinking about it and you're not really sure, I would, I would say don't go to this event. This is just the kind of advice that I like to give to people. Let's focus our energies on something more positive, the things I talked about in this edition and in the previous one. I'm Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Knock'em Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.